You know peace in our lives is important for the spiritual battle we're facing? Do you know if you are uneasy in spiritual war, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong. God is calling us as believers to be strong, to be rooted in peace and confident. Amen? I want to read for you Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Who can affirm to this scripture, Pastor, there is evil in this world? You know, I think we have to open up our spiritual eyes to see it. And something that I want to encourage you in this morning to make this applicable to you, that if you are living in fear or you find yourself in a constant state of battle between your flesh and spirit, you are going to be ineffective for the kingdom of God. Do you hear me? You will be ineffective for the kingdom of God. And I think about myself, and I think about my many years of battling myself. And there were important years of development that were completely wasted because of constantly battling these desires that I I had that had nothing to do with God. Whether it came to stuff that I couldn't afford, who can say amen, amen, or comparing myself to others, I couldn't just walk in peace with who I am in Christ. So if that's you today and you you say you could be living in fear or again say you are battling your flesh versus your spirit, remember that in that state you are ineffective. Let's read James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 which is our main verses this morning. It says if you are wise, everyone say wise, and understand God's ways. Prove it by living an honorable life. Do good works with humility that comes from wisdom. Is anyone understanding yet what this has to do with peace? We'll get there. Verse 14, it says, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you 
and praise you for who you are. And God, I, I ask that today that each and every believer in this place, those who are searching God, will look at this time as a good opportunity to have a new foot forward. God, that's, that's the blessing of a new year. It, it's a change of mindset, God. And so, Lord, I pray that we can truly examine who you have called us to be, who we are, and God set out on a path to better ourselves in 2023. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. You know, when I read this scripture, to me it seems very clear that we can have so many hang-ups that can cause us not to live in peace. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I tend to, when, when things are not at peace in my life, I tend to look to others to blame first. Who can say amen? You're not blaming me, church. You're not going to blame your neighbor. Start by looking in the mirror. I'm telling you, start by looking at the mirror. Because when we really break down what our main text is saying today, one of the first places that we are at war is with ourselves. We're at war with our flesh. And the, the author, James, he lists the worldly snares that are most common. And he only lists two, and I find that very interesting. The first one he lists is jealousy. And jealousy is one of those sins that is a heart issue. And for, for most of us, jealousy is obvious when we see it in other people, isn't it? But something else that I know is jealousy oftentimes is unspoken, where we feel something in our heart, but there's not an outward expression of it. So there is a subtleness to jealousy as well. And it's in those times that often we as believers, we walk through life and we're not recognizing it as sin, but it is. Now, jealousy, it can occur based off of coveting what someone else has or wishing that you were in the position of another person, just wishing you had their life or lifestyle. And what we fail to realize is that that jealousy, as a sin, it eliminates the acknowledgement of God creating you and I for a specific purpose. You and I, we are individuals, amen? Aren't you thankful there is not 40 of me? You should also be thankful there's not 40 of you. And you should also be thankful that God created you with a specific purpose. And guess what? That specific purpose comes with different trials, amen? It comes with different unique challenges. The other thing the author lists, James, as one of these sins that causes this disruption in our flesh is selfishness. Selfishness, I, I, I see it almost exactly the same as jealousy, that obviously it is a heart issue, and we can clearly see selfishness in other people when it is that outward expression. But I gotta tell you, there are times where I am awakened to my own selfishness just because of how I feel when I say things like, I see when something else happens for someone and I think, 
man, that should have been me. That should have been me. Or, I, I deserve to get treated differently. Selfishness, this is how it occurs in our life. It places ourselves above anyone else. And that can sometimes be subtle. That can sometimes be very obvious. But here's what selfishness does. It mocks how Christ lived his life and he has called us to live. One of my favorite life verses, Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus Christ, God's only Son, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, came down to the earth, not that he is to be served by us, but to serve mankind, that doesn't mean that we just expect service. That means that once we take on Christ, that we ourselves become servants. You know, in Christ being a representation for how we ought to live, if we don't live that way, what we unknowingly do is we create a barrier from people being able to see God in us. Think about it. If, if, if we are standing contrary to what Scripture says, that brings out a false perspective on who God is, doesn't it? So really what we're, we're giving is we're giving, we're not giving a representation of God at all, but in the eyes of the world, we are giving a false representation of God. And so you and I, what we really need to do, if you really want to look at this in the proper perspective, we need to be able to break all these things down in our lives and distinguish what it is that lures us to cause that battle between our flesh and spirit. There are plenty of other examples of worldly sin. Pride, lust, material worship. And you and I, we can be controlled by our fleshly desires so easy, we have to be open to self, self-examination. And the reality is, oftentimes I've heard other pastors talk about it, and immediately, I, I'm fairly open. But when it breaks it down, when we truly have to break it down and say, okay, Holy Spirit, reveal in me the things that you don't, that, that doesn't measure up to God's standard. Oftentimes I'm not really willing to do it. Because I know the things that are obvious that I don't like about myself. But then there are things that I do like that are contrary to God's word. Are you guys hearing me? There are things that we don't want to give up. There are times where where someone preaches the truth in our lives. And we're like, yes and amen, I love that. And then there are other times where we receive a word and we're like, oh, don't like that. Don't like that. And we have to be open to everything, and it starts by allowing the Holy Spirit access in our lives that we might be convicted when you and I have done wrong, no matter what it is. If it doesn't measure up to God's standard, I want to know. And the reason we should do this 
is obvious because it's sin. But we should desire to have it rooted out because when it is present in our lives, we are ineffective. And here's the bottom line. We're not at peace with God. The second area I see where we are at war, and and this is what you expect to hear when we talk about spiritual war, is we are at war with the demonic. Can I hear an amen? Notice, I place these in a specific order because I think more, more than anything, we're at more war with our flesh than we are with the demonic. We tend to want to blame others. I stated that first. So typically, we might say, Satan made me do it. No, it was our ignorant flesh. But you might need to write this down. It's not going to be up on the screen. Where there is worldly living, there is going to be evil. We can't escape it. And so you and I, we have a choice that we can rid evil in our personal lives. But check this out. Because you are a living, breathing human, you cannot possibly rid the evil around you. You're not going to be able to do it. You, what, what you can determine, you, you can say, Pastor, I want to rid the world of evil. And I'm telling you, you can determine that within your own home. You're going to determine to eliminate the evil in your friends group, maybe by removing all your friends in your life. But you cannot control the choices they make. Are you hearing me? You can't control the choices they make. And so you and I, we are regularly facing evil, but we shouldn't look at people as the enemy. But the devil who ensnares us and entices us and wages war against the believer. Remember, those people where we might look and see evil, and we, maybe you've uttered the phrase, that's an evil person. Remember, you and I were once in the same position. Our lives were ruled by sin. And only Jesus Christ set you free. So it is important to remember that when we look at someone else and we might see an evil person, remember, they're full of sin just like we were. And we have to be open to the Spirit of God changing even them. You and I, we have to look at humanity with the same exact compassion God did when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to our war with the demonic, we know that the demonic obviously is sent to also harass the believer. And they do that through oppressing us But here's the thing that we need to stand on. We as believers in Jesus Christ cannot be fearful or discouraged even in thinking that. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 10, 19. He says, look, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy. Who can say amen to that? And because you know with Jesus stating that, that he has given you authority over the power of enemy, that should automatically tell you, do not be fearful. Because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I have power 
over the enemy. I can stand up against him. I can't do it by my own. I must be rooted in Christ. Who knows there's no other power that can overcome Satan but Jesus? There is no other power. In fact, any other power, and I want you to check this out, any other power that shows itself, that poses itself as good, but does not claim Christ, is disguised by Satan. You know what? It, it seems like witchcraft is becoming very popular in the United States. It's displayed in Hollywood. You can see a lot of cinema where it's displayed now. And I, I even think of an old movie like the, the Wizard of Oz. Remember? Well, she's a good witch. Right? You know what? Any power that disguises itself as good but doesn't claim Christ is of Satan. Don't forget, even Satan poses himself as an angel of light. He tries to present himself as good. So for you and I to be rooted in Christ, it is more than just saying, Pastor, I put on worship music in my house. I try not to sin. I try and live a good life. It is so much more than that to be rooted in Christ. It is as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 5 that we need to wash ourselves with the word. We need to be daily in the Word of God. We need to al allow the Bible as that resource daily in our lives that we might be cleansed. Then every day, Paul also encourages us to put on Christ as if it's a garment. To dress ourselves in Christ. And to become like Christ isn't about God making this effort to bring an impact in your life. See, we as believers, so often we say, God, cha change me. We come in here and we expect God to be changed. We might go down to the altar and we might be looking for a significant moment where God changes us. But here's what we really need to grab a hold of. Those moments of the gentle nudge by the Holy Spirit. And we choose to respond with action in obedience when he is asking us. And church, that is when you will truly live at peace. See, conventional wisdom says that if I talk about peace and we're in a spiritual war series, I need to be talking more about who we are at war with and how to get to peace. It's not it. That's not it. Because if you want to be at peace, the first and foremost thing you need to seek is being at peace with God. And you and I, we tend to focus on evil. I, I grew up, you know, being a child of the 80s and 90s, I grew up in a church that seemed to be sometimes hyper-focused on evil. To where that, that, was, that was at the forefront, it seemed, so often. But I believe that we as believers, we shouldn't be focused on evil. We should be focused on God each and every step of the way. Listen to Colossians 3, 1 through 2. I, I 
preach this often. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. So today, if you are not walking in peace, ask yourself, how much am I truly walking with God? To me, that's, that, that's a clear sign. If it seems like chaos is going on all around you, and you're always dealing with these terrible circumstances, and you're always weighed down by it, And if you break your life down moment by moment, also ask yourself, what are you really living for? I promise you, church, that when you live with an eternal perspective, when you choose to walk in that godly wisdom, you will be at peace in the midst of chaos. This is why last week in our message we discussed Jesus. He was coaching the disciples up on struggles that they would face. And he says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And he's doing this because he is about to be taken. He is about to be crucified. And so he is trying to awake them up on who they need to be called to be. And the message is, hey, this world hates me. It's going to hate you. But this is what he followed it up with. And I want you to hear this, John 16, He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Church, this is important. Stop looking for your life to be complete without Jesus. People are searching for fulfillment in places you're never going to be fulfilled. It's going to be temporary. It's going to only last for so long. It is going to be impossible for you to find peace outside of Jesus Christ. Either you will be at war with yourself or you're going to be at war with the world. And you're never going to have the proper insight to know how to battle Satan if you can't live with peace through Jesus Christ. It is when we discover that, it is when we start to let the walls down, it is when we start to truly seek God and turn our focus to God that you are going to find you can walk in purpose. He has called you for a specific purpose. Yeah, your life might not look like the person across the room. Things might be different. And maybe you do wish things were different in your life. But I'm telling you that when you seek God, you're going to find that maybe you went through that so that he can use you to minister to others who go through the same thing. And what God does, he has a way of taking these trials, these things that we go through, the circumstances of our life, and he uses it for his glory 
so that your life might testify to who he is. And that is why I say it all starts with focusing on God. And Because let me tell you, you hear that and you say, Pastor, I want to get there. I want to get to where I'm living in purpose. Well, it starts by renouncing the things that have taken our focus off God. That's where it starts. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This is one of those things that to say this is how we should live is simple but so difficult for people in application. And here's why I think it is. Because when God preaches this message to us, we have two hands tightly gripped to the world. And we don't want to let go. And God is asking you to completely surrender control over to him. To turn the focus on him. Stop the war. Stop the constant battle. Stop looking for others to blame. Come on. But to look to God as the author of our life and the finisher of it. And when you open your eyes up to I'm not going to live forever. God did create me. God does have eternity waiting. The things of this world aren't so important that it's going to be easier to loosen that grip. But what you have to determine is if now is going to be the time where you respond to the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit. Because God's not going to just make these things happen in your life. So many times, church, I went down to the altar and I cried out, God, change me. Because I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. What I didn't realize was every time God was nudging me to go to that altar, but he was looking to me to make the steps of obedience. His Holy Spirit was already doing the nudging. His Holy Spirit was already doing the work. I just wanted some kind of supernatural change that I realized was really up to me. Am I going to let go? Am I going to respond? And so I encourage you right now, Heads bowed, focusing on yourself right now. To be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to you that you might feel that nudge. Sometimes that nudge is specific. Sometimes it's general. But you feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, 
it's time. It's time to let go. It's time to turn all your focus on God. And then he might go a step deeper. It's time to give this up. It's time to stop doing that. It is time to stop looking to this person or this thing as the answer to your security. But look to me. Trust in me. What I want us to do is I want us to stand. And I want to encourage you that if the Holy Spirit is nudging you today, Kelton's going to lead us in song. But if you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you, respond in action at the altar. Come down to the altar. Bow a knee before God. Surrender to Him. But remember, the change is already occurring when we respond to the Holy Spirit. And He can use that. But keep walking in those steps of faith of knowing what God has asked you to do.